A few announcements to let you know about. Uh, first off, uh, the results of the business meeting last week, we did not uh, communicate that in the, the email on Friday. Sorry about that. Uh, both motions passed. Um, and so we are moving forward. Uh, the gifts that we had voted for on have already been sent. And we've contacted uh, Esh uh, Landscaping. And we are in process of getting them started on, on the, the, lot, the parking lot project. So thank you for those who were part of that uh, business meeting and your participation in uh, the business here of the church. Uh, a couple other things. Next week is uh, the Labor Day weekend. And we are planning to have a service outdoors on Sunday. That would be the 6th of September. And so we'll be back out in the south lot here. And uh, that service will be at 11 a.m. Uh, we'll have the radio signal thing again. So if you want to sit in your car, you're free to do that. Uh, if you're not comfortable getting out of your car or if, if you want to get out of the car, wh whatever, uh, there'll be a sound system too if you've been to the, our service. And we've done a few before. Uh, that's the plan. Uh, if... If we are to uh, have a weather problem, we will make that decision Saturday afternoon, and we'll communicate by email and uh, Facebook as to what, uh, what our plan will be uh, regarding services for that Sunday. Uh, the following Sunday um, will be the 13th, and then on the, 20th, the 20th of April, excuse me, of August, April, goodness gracious, let's get my months right here, September 20th, let's go there. Uh, we will be uh, starting Sunday schools uh, back up. So that would be uh, children and students and our other adult class that has yet to start. All of those will plan to start on the 20th of September. And uh, hopefully uh, you can be there for those things. If you have children, participate in that. We had uh, communicated and we'll communicate again uh, some of the policy procedure for the kids ministry of what it looks like uh, for our kids ministry to, to begin again uh, this uh, this fall. Hopefully you can uh, be with us for that. Uh, additionally, uh, today we want to welcome the Blazers uh, to our church. Uh, Tim and Andrea Blazer and their son Levi are with us today. Uh, about three or four years ago, uh, we started to um, have contact with the Blazers. They came and uh, presented their ministry. Our church took them on for support. And at that time, they were transitioning uh, to another uh, place in Brazil. And they are now in Fortaleza, Brazil. And I've uh, been ministering there through church planning and uh, training local uh, leaders, uh, orphanage ministry, and some other things that I'm sure they'll uh, get more uh, details uh, about. And so uh, we're happy to have them here. We're going to give them the rest of our, our time uh, to share about their ministry and to open God's word uh, with us. Uh, before they come, if you would stand uh, together with me and let's ask God's blessing on our time and uh, on the ministry that uh, the Blazers will share. Father, we are thankful uh, today for the privilege of gathering with uh, the body of Christ to worship Jesus. God, uh, that's what we're here for. We're here to worship you through uh, the word, uh, through song, uh, through testimony of what you're doing. And God, we pray that you'll receive the glory in all of this. God, we're thankful for the Blazers, thankful for their ministry, their many years in Brazil and various uh, places. Uh, we pray for continued blessing on them and, and help for their ministry, you know, their needs and their plans and uh, what they're seeking to achieve. God, we pray that you would... Um, that you would bless that, you would give them favor, and um, we might see your, your kingdom uh, grow, uh, even through their ministry. 
We pray uh, your blessing now on those in need. God, you know, a number of our, our church family, uh, the, the needs that they have. We ask for your help for each one. Uh, we give thanks for how you have provided, how your spirit is with us, how you comfort, and uh, we give thanks for your presence. We pray your blessing now, and we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. Beginning of March, our church in Brazil um, had to close due to the COVID restrictions, and we were scheduled to return to the United States in May for a furlough. But things started closing so quickly that uh, our administrator, as well as the, uh, Brazil, the United States Embassy in Brazil, um, were sending out recommendations that if you had any intention of traveling, that you should get out immediately, um, or else you need to stay indef- indefinitely. So we uh, rescheduled our flight for the end of March, and we had four days of canceled flights. Um, we had to buy another route um, through another area of Brazil t- to try to get out. But interestingly enough, on the f- uh, I think it was the fifth night, uh, our flight actually departed, um, and it was the last international flight out of our city since March. So we were the last ones out, and um, we praise the Lord for his care over us. And um, these certainly are interesting times that we're living in, as all of you are well aware. And um, it's encouraging to be able to see some semblance of a normalcy begin to return uh, as we're able to gather again for worship. This morning, we're going to spend some time uh, examining a text in God's Word, as well as we would like to share with you an update of our ministry, what's been going on the last several years. Uh, and so we'll be uh, kind of in the, in the Word for a time, and then we'll have some slides, um, some pictures of what we've been doing, and my wife will uh, participate in that time as well. So um, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 67. You don't often hear many sermons or messages about missions from the Old Testament, but this is one of those missiological um, texts in the Old Testament that just shouts to us about God's plan and his work amongst the nations. Before I read that, however, I've got a couple things on the lighter side that I wanted to share with you um, about um, evidences that you might be a foreign missionary. As we're going to examine the nations and talk about God's work amongst the nations, um, if you identify with any of these things on this list, you just might be a foreign missionary, okay? So here we go. You can't answer the question, where are you from? That is so true. I was born in Brazil. My parents were church planting missionaries for over 40 years in Brazil. Um, My dad was from Washington State. My mom was from Iowa. And so our furloughs were split between those two locations. Um, And then I came to college in Grand Rapids, went to Cornerstone University, and that became our home base. And then my wife and I, after we graduated from college, were married and started having a family. We moved to Brazil, to southern Brazil, to the state of Sao Paulo. Um, and there we planted a couple of churches, and then just a little over three years ago, we moved 2,000 miles to the northeast of Brazil to Fortaleza, where actually I had gone to high school at a boarding school, a Baptist Missions boarding school. So if you ask me where I'm from, I don't really know. If you can identify with that, you just might be a foreign missionary. Um, You speak two languages, but you can't spell in either. You've homeschooled your children going 65 miles an hour down a highway in a minivan. That's very true. You read National Geographic and recognize someone. 
You consider a city 500 miles away to be very close. You watch nature documentaries and think about how good the animal were taste, would taste if it were fried. You can cut grass with a machete, but you can't start a lawnmower. You have friends from or in at least 29 different countries. You know that furlough is not a vacation. You know how to pack. Fitting 15 or more people into a car seems perfectly normal to you. I can attest to that. I have a, an old pickup that I've packed close to 20 kids into uh, for a vacation Bible school. Uh, you refer to gravel roads as highways. You don't think that two hours is a long sermon, although I've been warned this morning that we do have some time frames that we need to stick to due to other services and activities. Um, you know the difference between 110 and 220 volts, um, that my children haven't always known that and have burnt some things out over the years. Um, riots on the news make you homesick. So that's kind of what's been going on around here in the United States lately. That seems perfectly normal to us. We've had rioting many times throughout the years uh, in our time in Brazil. Um, most recently, last year, um, there were gang riots. Our city is dominated by four or five different gangs. Um, it's the seventh most violent city in the world currently with, with, as far as violent crime. Um, and there was a whole week time period where we weren't, I, I teach seminary classes and we had to cancel all of our classes because seminary students were scared to come to classes because um, there were over 100 buses that were bombed in our city in the course of a week. Um, so these riots seem perfectly normal even though we know that they're evidences of a broken world in which we live. So having started with that, let us look at the text here, Psalm 67, and see what the Lord has to say to us this morning. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Um, I've titled uh, our talk this morning, Missio Dei. Um, now, I've had the privilege of teaching um, introduction to missiology in the seminary there where, in the city where we live. And um, I focused quite a bit of time in the beginning of that class talking about this concept of missio dei, which was just really a, a Latin theological term, which means God's mission. And the idea behind this expression is that the mission is not just a mission of the church. The mission is just not a mission of individual followers of Jesus, but the mission really is in the heart of God. God is a missionary God, and we can look all the way back into the Old Testament, and even before creation, we know that the heartbeat of mission uh, was uh, in, in God's heart, and that as we look at the nations around the world today and the, the chaos and the brokenness, we understand the effects of the fall, but we also understand that uh, our great, merciful, gracious God has a plan to redeem a people for himself from amongst the nations. And in that plan, he has called us as the church, the body of Christ, to take on his mission to make his name and his glory known throughout the world. So 
um, this text this morning um, helps us to reflect a little bit about what that means um, to be on God's mission, the mission of God. Um, the first thing that, that really uh, draws our attention is in the beginning of this psalm, uh, we see words very similar to those in number six, which was the priestly blessing uh, that Aaron uh, pronounced upon the people of Israel in number 624. May God bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Um, there are some differences, however, um, because in, if you look at numbers, this text seems very directed towards the people of Israel uh, as it was pronounced upon God's people. Uh, but what we see the psalmist doing here in Psalm 67 is extending that blessing not only to the people of Israel, but to all the peoples of the earth. And, and we know uh, that, that God desires to redeem a people for himself from amongst all nations, from amongst all people groups, all ethnic groups. So uh, for the sake of remembering, it, it appears as though the psalmist has captured an important element uh, of God's blessing that maybe even Israel overlooked for a time. Because uh, if you remember the history of Israel, you know that the people of Israel were supposed to be a set-apart people, but a set-apart people that would point nations to God, that, that would be a light amongst the Gentiles. And they failed miserably. Um, uh, and if we even go back to Abraham when he received the covenant from God that God would bless him and would make him a great nation and that he would uh, bless all the peoples of the earth through him, we understand what this psalmist is doing. He's connecting that priestly blessing to the Abrahamic covenant where we understand that God's blessing is to go to the peoples, to the nations, to the families of the earth. And so we see uh, the, the blessing, be gracious to us, bless us, and make his face shine upon us. Why? So that it can be extended to all. That God's ways may be known upon the earth. This is the heartbeat of missions. That God's name, God's plan of redemption would be known among the nations. That God's salvation may be experienced by all. Um, that your ways may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. When God, when God called Abraham and promised to pour out his blessing on him uh, and to be a blessing for all people groups of the earth, uh, we know, because we have the rest of the story, that that promise was fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, the coming of Messiah. And so we see uh, God's plan coming to fruition in the person of his son Jesus uh, who took upon himself the sins of the world, who took upon himself uh, the sins of broken people from around the nations. And Scripture foresaw, according to Galatians 3.8, Scriptures foresaw that God would justify Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, saying, all nations will be blessed through you. So if you think the gospel is only found in the New Testament, think again, the gospel just permeates uh, the whole of scripture as we understand God's plan of redeeming broken and fallen people. So God's purposes for all the families of the earth was continually announced throughout scripture. The, this theme 
of people, a people for his name, this, this theme of God's glory being made known upon the whole earth. Uh, we understand when we see God setting apart the nation of Israel that he did not do that for their own sake. They were chosen ones through whom the Messiah would come for all peoples. And this psalm is a reminder of God's purposes that Jesus so clearly articulated in the Great Commission. Uh, go and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples. There was a song a number of years ago, uh, a Christian contemporary song by Casting Crowns, Until the Whole World Hears. I don't know if you've heard it or if you remember it, uh, but it speaks to this very, this very theme. Let me recite a little bit of the song. It says, I want to be your hands and feet. I want to live a life that leads to see you set the captive free until the whole world hears. And I pray they will see more of you and less of me. Lord, I want my life to be the song you sing until the whole world hears. Lord, we are calling out, lifting your name up for all to hear the sound. Like the voices in the wilderness were crying out, as the day draws near, we'll sing until the whole world hears. And so this brings us to the next point of this psalm, the ultimate purpose of mission. Um, you will hear many missionaries talk about how wonderful it is to lead people to Jesus, to uh, see people's lives transformed by the gospel. But I, I have a question for you this morning. Is the ultimate purpose of missions to rescue people from hell, to rescue them from an eternity apart from Christ, would that be the ultimate purpose of missions? I don't think so. And I think this psalm uh, gives us some insight into it. Verse 3 let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. You see, as God declares his name through the, through the world, through us, uh, his ways being known, his saving power among the nations, the ultimate purpose is that the peoples would praise him. The ultimate goal of mission is that God's name would be lifted up, that his glory would be made known among all the, all the world. And so the worship of God is truly the ultimate purpose of missions. People that once lived for themselves um, would no longer live for themselves but for him. Truth is that nothing makes God more pleased than to be recognized and worshiped as the one true God. John Piper writes in his book on missions, Let the Nations Be Glad, worship is the goal of missions. Missions exists because worship doesn't. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul uh, writes to this effect, and he says, and, and he, referring to Christ, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is why we do what we do. And so the ultimate pur purpose of missions is the worship of God as experienced through the reign of God uh, throughout the whole world let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. I already quoted that. And that brings us to why we do what we do, why we are in Brazil why you as a church have chosen to uh, embrace the mission that we have been called to, and uh, together we are partners. And before we even get into anything, I just want to start by thanking you, First Baptist Church of Carroll, for your role in our ministry. Uh, we truly understand that 
Uh, we could not do what we do were it not for churches that love us, that support us, that pray for us, and that are partnering with us to make the name of Jesus known and God's glory known uh, around the world. And so um, we've got a few slides this morning to share with you about some of our ministry, what we've been doing the past um, three plus years, and we even have a couple of little highlights at the end uh, that will uh, kind of give you um, a testimony of God's work reflecting on uh, one of the churches that we planted a number of years ago in southern Brazil. But our names are Tim and Andrea Blazer, uh, as uh, Pastor Mark mentioned. Our son Levi is here with us. Um, we have a picture here of the whole family. Um, Robert is our oldest. He's on the left there. He just graduated from Moody Bible Institute. And next week, he will be starting a pastoral residency in Flushing, Michigan at Mayfair Bible Church. Uh, Mariah is a senior at Cornerstone University. Julia is a freshman at Cornerstone University. And Levi here is uh, in eighth grade. So that gives you an uh, overview of our family there. The city that we work in right now is Fortaleza. As I mentioned uh, a number of years ago, we moved 2,000 miles from southern Brazil up to Fortaleza. And we moved from a city of 400,000 now to a, a city of over 4 million. Uh, Fortaleza is a huge city now and it continues to grow rapidly. We are actually in a neighboring town called Eusebio, um, which you can't even tell the difference between the two. The city just runs together in, into our city. Um, as far as the religious makeup of our city, 79% um, would still claim to be Roman Catholic, which is a fairly high number. Other, other regions of Brazil, that number has dropped uh, quite dramatically. But the northeast of Brazil, uh, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, still has a, a stronghold there. 12.5% would claim to be Protestant. But of those, um, you also would have cults and uh, all kinds of different groups that would be lumped into that. And then 5.5% would claim no religious affiliation. Now, that is the fastest gr growing uh, makeup of the, of, of the Brazilian people would be those who would be atheists or agnostic or just would claim no, uh, no religion. The economy is predominantly tourism. Fortaleza is a, a beach city. It's located on probably the most beautiful beaches of Brazil. Um, and you can imagine since March what has happened to the economy in the city there. It has come to a standstill. The, the city is in very, very desperate condition right now. Uh, hotels have mainly been shut down since March, and uh, the, the tourism economy there has been suffering greatly. And then there is some textile manufacturing, um, shoes and petroleum. It just kind of gives you an overview. Here's a, a breakdown of the four areas of ministry uh, that we're working in currently. Our heartbeat has always been church planting, and so uh, the first one would be church planting. Um, we are involved in evangelism, discipleship, and leadership development. Uh, we have been working now for three years with a, a new church plant, and just before we came back in March, they had their first business meeting uh, to officially become an independent church, and all the documentation with the government has gone through, and so I will share a little bit more about that in a, in a minute. Uh, the second ministry is an orphanage ministry that my wife will come up and talk a little bit about that God has given us the opportunity to work in. Um, third would be training. 
Um, I'm heavily involved in, in training in different areas, both through teaching church planning and missions courses, uh, as well as different evangelism and discipleship materials. And that uh, has broadened our, our impact in that we not only work with one local church plant, but we're working with a seminary. And I have actually done training throughout Brazil in a number of different settings. And then finally would be mentoring. We are uh, closely walking alongside of uh, some church planning uh, Brazilian pastors, as well as some seminary interns. So first of those would be our church plant. Uh, when we moved to Fortaleza a little over three years ago, we partnered uh, with uh, a Baptist church there called Igreja Bíblica Batista do Planalto. So real simply, uh, Bible Baptist Church of Planalto, which is an area of Fortaleza. And we have planted the church, which you see the logo on the top left, which is the Bible Baptist Church of Eusebio. And this first picture here is a location that was um, given to us to use uh, on a weekly basis by the city mayor. Um, we didn't have to pay rent or anything. We had this, um, this big room and bathrooms that we could use. Um, and we began doing Bible studies and weekly services. And the most exciting part about this, this process was that we actually had four families from that mother church that joined us on a church planning team. And so there were us, um, our colleagues, Alan, Kim Yoder, and then we had four uh, Brazilian families that worked with us as well. We had some difficulty initially with that first location because um, it would often happened that on a Saturday, the mayor would call us and say, we need to use that building tomorrow, so you're going to have to find somewhere else. And so we began to recognize quickly that we needed to find a place of our own. And we rented this warehouse um, uh, about a year and a half ago, and we began holding Sunday services and then prayer meeting and youth group and Bible studies. And we quickly grew from about 30 people now to uh, 80, 90 people on a weekly basis, at least prior to the COVID pandemic. There's the, our founding members, our first membership class back in February. Uh, I think we have 35 founding members, um, of which some of those first families that joined us and then a few new people as well. Okay, I'm going to call my wife up and she's going to talk with us a little bit about the orphanage ministry that God has led us to work in. So actually, this, the Heartbeat for Orphanage ministry has come over the process of probably 10 or 15 years. And it started with us recognizing uh, the deep desire of, as parents, to get our kids involved in something outside of the four walls of the church. Because we've been church planning at this point by about 10 years when we started um, developing an interest in this. And we really wanted to uh, instill in our children, as well as the churches we were planting, the passion and the desire to go to some of really the most difficult and darkest places of their community. And so we started looking out opportunities to reach, like we started with Street Boys, um, and then that, and we changed locations, we went into orphanage ministry. And this is a current one that we're working with. And I'm just going to highlight a few things really quickly. Um, first of all, the orphanage ministry provides a safe home for children in Brazil because there is no foster system. So, for instance, if a child is removed for abuse or neglect, abandonment, parents are in prison, they're in drug rehab, whatever it would be, kids are put into these group homes called orphanages, which provides for their physical needs. It provides them food and it provides a roof over their 
heads, obviously, beds, etc. But we started noticing that even the Christian organizations that had orphanages were just so overwhelmed with the physical needs that no one was really meeting the spiritual needs of these children. As They tried, and um, so we came along and started partnering with and um, just offered another opportunity for these kids. So we started a Thursday night Bible school, or kind of like a VBS, but it was a weekly thing, where we would go and we would teach them, or we do actually teach them from Scripture. We'll do Bible studies with them. We pray with them. We sing with them. Tim's helped several of them learn to play the guitar, so they'll play guitar with him. And then we have games, and we have snacks at the end, and it just is a really great time for us to bond with them on Thursday evenings um, in that setting. And that opens up the door for us to be able to invite them to other things. So, for instance, Sunday or Saturday evening youth group. We, I go every sometimes two different times because I fill my car twice, and I'll pick up as many kids as I can and take them to youth group on Saturday night. Then we do the same thing on Sundays. I go to the orphanage and sometimes several trips in order to get all the kids to the church building for them to participate in our Sunday evening service. We have two of them that wanted to do the membership class uh, at least two or three of them are serving, uh, playing guitar, serving in the nursery. One of them is on the reception team with me. Uh, so what we've really, really prayed about is that God would give us an opportunity to um, come alongside these kids and love them, give them stability, uh, because so many people come and go. Uh, many churches in this city of four million people will every six months do a Saturday event, but no one goes weekly. No one is there in the thick and thin. I mean, we've come on Thursday nights and there's been a cop car outside because something tragic is happening. And we go in and we just love on these kids. And of course, we reach them um, by meeting some of their physical needs as well. If we notice someone doesn't have a pair of flip-flops because they broke, we'll buy him a new pair of flip-flops. Or we bought one kid a pair of cleats because he had been accepted into a soccer club but wasn't allowed to play because he didn't have cleats. So we meet their physical needs so that we have access to obviously the very most important thing, which is their spiritual need. And so it's kind of like a chaplaincy, but it's also a Thursday night Bible club. They come into our home at least twice a week. We have them for extended periods of time in our home. And um, Tim is able to reach the boys in just such a unique way, and me with the girls. And that we just heard that they've doubled in size. So there used to be 28 kids 26 kids there when we were there in March, and now they're up to something like 44. So when we get back, we definitely have our work cut out for us. But um, we wanted it to be the passion of our family to reach the least of these. And then we started bringing along a couple from our church and training them. And um, a church plant really will reflect its planters. So it's kind of like parents should reflect their children. And that was our desire, is as we graduate these church plants, that they will continue to reach their community because we modeled that, taught that, and lived that with them. All right, so I mentioned that um, a third area of ministry is that of training, and that really was what um, took us to Fortaleza. Um, as we were transitioning out of our church plant in southern Brazil in the state of Sao Paulo, uh, we were looking for a new location to be involved in church planning. Uh, but after having planted churches for about 16 years, 
uh, really something had been growing in, in our heart, and that was the training of Brazilian church planners. And so through a partnership of a seminary and a, a couple of churches up in Fortaleza, we chose to move up there to a more strategic location where we could have a broader impact in training uh, Brazilian pastors, leaders, and even some Brazilian missionaries uh, that are being sent to other parts of the world. Um, here's some pictures of um, training that I do with uh, evangelism and discipleship material called Good Soil. Uh, this is material that ABWE has developed and it is used all around the world, um, which teaches the whole story of redemption. So many of the people we work with have no idea really who the God of the Bible is and what sin is. And so we start at creation and we work through scripture and teach them the whole story of redemption. And so the picture on the right there was a training that we did with about 45 pastors and leaders um, in the very southernmost state of Brazil. There's a few other of those teaching opportunities. And then as I mentioned, I've also had the opportunity to teach in a, a local Bible institute and seminary. Um, I predominantly teach uh, classes in, the, in missions and church planting. And so this was my first uh, missions class right there. There were over 40 students that were part of that. Uh, but then I've also been able to teach um, some church planting modules in different areas. And here's just some of the, uh, the people that we've mentored um, the top two are church planters uh, that I've been mentoring for the last couple of years. And then uh, the bottom right one is actually a seminary intern um, that is working with us in our church plant. And so he's been with us now for about eight months. And he and his wife and their, their little baby, um, our hope is that as he graduates from his theology program in December, that uh, next year when we return, that we will be able to ordain him. Our hope is that he will be uh, our first Brazilian pastor in our, in our church there. As we look at going back in January, uh, I just wanted to share with you a few points of our vision. First uh, would be in relationship to the church plant. Uh, there are four different areas, categories, so to say, that we uh, hope to see accomplished before we transition to another church planning ministry. And first would be property purchase. Uh, last night I was talking to Pastor Mark. We've been attempting to meet with the mayor of our city to see if he has any property to donate, which does happen from time to time. Uh, but he's canceled on us multiple times, and uh, we now realize that it's likely we'll have to purchase something. So we're trying to raise funds right now for about $50,000 to purchase a property. Uh, a second part of this vision would be a building project. Uh, we don't envision having a, a completed project when we transition, but at least uh, beginning stages of a multi-stage building project. A uh, third would be training and ordination of, of pastors and leaders um, and then the final point would be that our church would embrace global missions just as this church embraces global missions. And so uh, from the very beginning of our church planning ministry, we plant that seed and that heartbeat in our church that they should be embracing missions just as um, we are missionaries. And so the church that we planted most recently in, in Sao Paulo State um, supports three Brazilian missionaries that work in three different countries around the world, like uh, one is in Mozambique, one is in Venezuela. Um, and so that's some of our goals as we return to that church plant. Um, a new opportunity ha has risen up, and it's actually one of my dreams that um, 
as we were thinking about moving to Fortaleza, and that is to develop a church planning training center. And so in partnership with that Bible Institute and Seminary there in Fortaleza, it's actually called Maranatha Bible Institute and Seminary. The abbreviation there is CBIMA. Um, in partnership with CBIMA, um, they have asked that in the next several months that I present to them a proposal for this project, which would uh, be located in the seminary, but it would be a, a training center that would facilitate training, mentoring, coaching, um, maybe a once-a-year church planning conference. We would provide resources and information um, for Brazilian church planters. There are a lot of churches being planted in Brazil. Um, that heartbeat already exists. Uh, what they desperately desire is partnership, is training, is uh, resources. And so um, that's our goal as we return, that maybe in 2021, uh, that we would be able to launch that um, in that location. This is actually one of my favorite highlights. This is a picture of the church that, the second church that we planted down south. And why we chose to put this at the end of our presentation is because it kind of brings a culmination of what were 16 years of our lives. When we went to the mission field in 2000, uh, was the very first church plant we planted, and then this is the second one. But why we're recapping this is because church planting is like parenting, and I imagine there's some parents out there that will understand this analogy. You can say the same thing a million times, two or three million times, and you really don't know if it sinks in until they start to put it into practice based on their own decisions and choices. So as church planters, we teach we pray a lot, as you do in parenting, and you just pray that the seeds planted will take root and will obviously flourish. What happened is about four or five months ago, we got word that our second church plant, which is now a fully established church with a Brazilian church planter, has just launched its first church plant. So I say, we're grandparents in church planning terms, um, not in real life, but um, our second church plant has now started a daughter congregation in a needy area of their city. And I don't know, it just brings joy to my heart. I, I trust it brings joy to your heart because if we just plant one and it stops there, I, I feel like we've missed something. And to see that those people have carried on that vision, and as I shared before, not only have they carried on the vision that they're, they're now replanting another church in their city, they also continue to reach out and weekly work with that same orphanage down south that I had worked with. And when we visited them, you can see pictures up here. So we went three years without visiting. Um, we gave space to the new pastor, and then we asked his permission if we could come back and just spend a couple days and visit. They invited Tim to speak at the inauguration of their new building, which you can see Tim speaking there. We visited many families that we had led both husband and wife to Christ. We had done their wedding ceremonies. We were at the birth of their children, and we went back and visited, and it was so beautiful. But I also saw present in that church service several of the kids, now four and five years older, that we had started that very first orphanage work with. And it was so beautiful to me to see these people embracing God's vision that we had proclaimed to them and then carrying it forward. So I guess I would say celebrate with us because God is doing great things and we're church planning grandparents. All right. Um, I share this only because we always get asked um, some of our financial needs. Um, as we return in January, um, we'll probably need to have around $12,000 for, for some of our travel expenses and uh, vehicle uh, updates and um, maintenance. 
Um, our monthly support, we, you can rejoice with us, is at 100% right now, so we don't have anything we need to raise on, on that front. And then property purchase. Uh, our church plant has already saved um, almost $9,000 uh, in the last year and a half, um, and we're hoping to raise another $40,000, maybe some from here from our uh, support team. Uh, but you can pray uh, with us towards that end that we will see, see that accomplished. And as we return, our goal would be sometime next year to be able to purchase property. Okay. Um, so another quote by John Piper, to belong to Jesus uh, is to embrace the nations with him. And so I've got five minutes here and I'm actually going to wrap up uh, our time in the word uh, by uh, finishing here in Psalm 67 with the scope of that blessing, the, the blessing that was pronounced to Israel uh, that then was extended to all the families uh, of the earth, the ultimate purpose of missions being God's worship, uh, God's glory being made known around the world. And then here we find the scope of the blessing in verses uh, 6 to 7 of Psalm 67. The scope would be, let the people's, uh, praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So in the scope of the blessing, we find a couple of statements. The earth has yielded its increase. If you look historically in scripture, a good harvest was always a sign of hope, confirming that indeed a new time had come that God had visited his people with blessing. So certainly it would have been connected to a literal harvest. There were even celebrations in Israel at harvest time. Uh, and historically this psalm, from what we understand, would have been sung uh, during the harvest feast or, or more commonly known as the, the Feast of Pentecost. Um, but I think that there's something prophetic going on here as well. Um, as we talk about all the peoples of the earth being blessed and God's glory being made known and being praised by all peoples of the earth. And so I think there's even something prophetic in the nature of the earth yielding its increase. So that it's not just a physical harvest, but something bigger is going on. Maybe an eschatological harvest as we think about all the peoples of the earth praising God. So it's, it's a harvest song, but not just a literal agricultural harvest. It's a song about a spiritual harvest and the plan and the heartbeat of God to bless the peoples of the earth, uh, to bless us in order that we would bless others. And as we do that, the Lord God creator of heaven and earth, the Lord of the harvest, uh, is the one who will be worshiped and praised. And, and so doing that, his plan will be fulfilled. All the peoples of the earth will fear him. So um, fast forward to the New Testament and the, the book of Revelation. We see people from every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne of God worshiping. And we see fulfillment of God's redemption and his plan to make a people for himself. So this is a time of celebration for those who find themselves having been blessed with eternal life, with salvation, as rightful heirs uh, of the inheritance of God's kingdom, 
And so this is an awesome hope for us who know Jesus. But for those who don't know Jesus, that is our goal, is to tell them this story, to make Jesus known, to make God's glory known amongst the earth. And I'm gonna just finish here. I have like one minute. I'm gonna give you some practical application. A thing that I always like to do when I preach is to answer the question, so what? Right? So what? What difference does that make to my life? What, what difference does that make to your life? So I've got four things. First, we must embrace God's vision. God's vision. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, God's vision is to make his name known among the peoples of the earth. Secondly, we must enroll ourselves in God's service. For God has called all of us as his disciples to make other disciples, to preach the good news, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, Third, we must extend his blessing to others. As we have been blessed with salvation, how selfish of us to keep that for ourselves. Uh, God has blessed us abundantly with eternal life, with salvation, with an inheritance that, that we can't measure. And finally, we must engage a lost world. This world uh, is in desperate need, and the days in which we find ourselves highlight the need. Uh, this pandemic, the riots, the, the racial instability, um, so many things just really highlight for us the brokenness of this world in which we live, this world that God created in perfection, but because of the fall of mankind was broken and uh, marred and destroyed, and, and Satan and his forces of evil um, will work with all they can uh, to destroy it even more. And so our goal is to bring this message of redemption and salvation so that there might be hope beyond this life, hope beyond this moment of pandemic. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for um, having called us into your mission. What a privilege it is to um, share this message of hope, of salvation, of redemption with broken people, with people lost in their sin. And so this morning, God, I, I pray that as this passage has so challenged me, that it would challenge everyone here present that we might embrace this vision, that we might enroll ourselves in your service and that we might extend that blessing to the whole world. God, I just thank you for this church. I pray your blessing on the leadership, on uh, Pastor Mark as, as lead pastor, but on each person, God, that uh, as partners in this mission field, that we would just see you bring about a harvest without measure, that we would see you do amazing things. Uh, may you find us faithful in this work to which you have called us. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold fast when the tempter would prevail he will hold me fast and I let my sleep through life's fearful path for my love is often cold he must hold me fast Fast. 
saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast, precious in his holy sight. He will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Born by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to sight. When he comes at last. He will hold together as we sing one more. We've heard of the, the message, the good news, the mission. Come behold the wondrous mystery. Come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the he the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ, who condescended, took on flesh to ransom. Come behold the wondrous mystery, he the perfect son of man. In his living, in his suffering, never trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam come to see. Fulfillment of the law in 
of faith, we can know you as Father and be assured of eternal life, life that begins now and lasts forever. Father, you have called us, and Father, you've given to us the mission to tell the world uh, wherever we are. So for those here, God, here now, here in Cairo, God, we uh, want to uh, proclaim that message of the good news. God, that is your desire for the world, as we've heard. Mission exists because worship doesn't, and so God, we pray that we might see worship uh, continue to grow, be planted in, in our city and our, our communities uh, for your glory so that your name is praised. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for coming today. Uh, the Blazers are going to be at their display here after the service if you have any other questions. But thanks again for coming. May God bless you.